This is TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And the State of the Saints podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Over 2 million men worldwide choose Manscaped for all their below-the-waist needs. For those that love the lawnmower 3.0, well, I got news for you. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the lawnmower 4.0. The lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all through additional guards lengths, sizes one through four. And looks wise, it's sleek with a two-tone matte and gloss finish, even features a hot foil stamp, black chrome Manscaped logo. Show your moral off loud and proud. Go to manscaped.com, use the promo code State of Saints, and you will save 20% off of the lawnmower 4.0 as well as other Manscaped items. That's manscaped.com. Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. And on this edition, we're going to be talking about the Saints' uh, loss to the Carolina Panthers in week two. And um, we're going to go ahead and give the final thoughts um, about this game. And uh, before we go ahead and put this game uh, to rest but thank you so much for checking out the state of the saints podcast uh, we're recording this on a monday morning uh fresh off that loss and you know this isn't going to be one of those shows where you know i'm like super animated you know i, I want to really have a conversation i mean i'm saying that i mean i don't know the way the show is going to go but i'm going into this show uh not trying to be as animated as i i usually am and the reason why is I just want to just have a conversation. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what we saw on yesterday and some of the things I feel the Saints need to do in order for them to make those type of adjustments where we don't see this type of thing again. Uh, first things first, uh, I think we have to agree. As Saints fans, it's been a long time since we've seen the Saints get their butt whooped like this, right? I mean, we've seen the Saints lose games, but I, well, you know, I think maybe if you go back a couple of years ago, probably look at that Falcons game when they played the Saints in the Superdome, they gave the Saints quite a bit of a butt whooping right there. You know, I don't even think the Saints uh, scored in that game, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think Drew Brees uh, threw a touchdown. Uh, they were trying to get one in garbage time, but it just didn't happen. 
the Saints got beat so bad on yesterday that they got the ball back and they took a knee. You know, <laughs> like that that tells you everything that you need to know about this game. But looking at this New Orleans Saints team, you can make excuses. I mean, there are excuses galore, right? You can talk about what's going on, them being displaced and living out of suitcases. Uh, you can talk about uh, how they, they're missing about 10 starters uh, on the team. You can talk about uh, how the coaching staff isn't there. All those play a huge role. I'm not going to lie about that. But I am not going to use that as an excuse to try to discredit what Carolina has done. Carolina Panthers did a really good job, and they understood what the Saints were lacking, and they took advantage of that. And you had a lot of guys on the offensive line that were not prepared for it. I mean, they had these guys head on a swivel, the way that they were disguising defenses, and if you combine that with a very young offensive line, a guy who is a backup center who doesn't really know how to read coverages and a new quarterback who's still trying to figure things out in his own right, I think that it was just a recipe for disaster. You know, and also in this game, I think we take away and we walk away from this game having an appreciation for quite a few things. I want to go back to a couple months ago in the offseason when this whole Michael Thomas situation happened. And I think it was like the beginning of August. It had to be because I think I was in Puerto Rico when the story came out. And you had people out there talking about get rid of Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas needs to get up out of here. And you know what I'm saying? Like we can do it. We can use anybody. Anybody can take his place. And I was telling people, I'm like, this dude is special. You know, and I think that sometimes when you're, you're seeing a bunch of wins and you're seeing a bunch of success, you have a tendency to believe that the team that you're watching can win with just anybody. And that's just not the case. Michael Thomas is a special wide receiver. What makes him so special is his ability to be able to get separation in man coverage. And when you can be able to do that, it allows the defense to have to scheme for that particular person. The Saints wide receiver group right now are a bunch of decoy wide receivers throughout the years. Now you got these guys on the field as your one, two, and three, respectively. That, that's just not going to work. You know, the Saints need a Michael Thomas. They need somebody that a secondary can respect to a point where they have to roll some coverage that person's way. But they have absolutely no respect for the Saints wide receiver group. And why should they? These are a bunch of unproven guys, you know what I'm saying, which we all knew. You know, these are a bunch of unproven guys that could not, you know, can't get separation. And I know some people will say, oh, you know what I'm saying, I'm, it's a little bit hypocritical, TJ, because I said that the Saints need to go out here and get some wide receivers. And you said that the Saints, uh, you know, we should just look at the wide receiver group of what they had and just roll with that because you trust Sean Payton. I do. I do trust Sean Payton. But I have to look at it in a different light because when we were having this conversation, I was under the impression that Michael Thomas was going to be there starting week one because Michael Thomas is a difference maker. Michael Thomas, because of the double coverage that he is going to uh, you know, get, it allows these other guys to be able to make plays. But if Michael Thomas isn't there, there's very little respect for these wide receivers. So what do you do? What do you do, who that nation? What do you do? To be honest with you, this isn't an easy fix. 
Like this isn't an easy fix as far as the wide receivers because you're not going to have Michael Thomas, you know what I'm saying, until after week six. So you're going to have to roll with some of the guys that you have out there. Now the tight ends, they can play a huge role in the Saints offense. The only thing is, the only problem that I feel that the, the Saints face in that regard is when you go up against teams with athletic linebackers. Now, I think that the Saints can have a little bit of success at the tight end spot against the New England Patriots because I don't feel the New England Patriots linebackers are as athletic as the Carolina Panthers linebackers are. I just feel like they can probably take advantage of that. Troutman and Juwan Johnson could possibly make some plays. But what happens when Bill Belichick actually, you know, neutralizes that? What happens then? You're going to have to rely on some of these receivers and to get open. This is a Deontay Harris type game. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Deontay Harris is going to have to be the X factor in the passing game in order for the Saints to find success because he is the, one of those guys that I feel like Sean Payton isn't utilizing as much. You know what I'm saying? I don't feel like he's being utilized to a point where you're, you're looking at him with the wide receiver screens and you're looking at him, you know what I'm saying, with some of these uh, jet sweeps that he can possibly do. The dude is extremely elusive, and I just feel like he needs to be used a little bit more. Uh, as far as the wide receiver group, uh, it, this is going to continue to be an issue until Michael Thomas comes back. Now, you can do a few things, right? You can go out here and try to see if you can get trade for some wide receiver out there that you can bring in. Okay, there's one wide receiver that I'm looking at right now that I feel like would be a good fit that could help the New Orleans Saints until Michael Thomas gets back, and that is Brandon Cooks. I think Brandon Cooks can be, you know what I'm saying, a key factor um, in, 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 you know what I'm saying, with the New Orleans Saints. I feel like he'll be able to uh, win his matchups in order to find success. Another person that I feel would be beneficial to the New Orleans Saints, a lot of people aren't paying attention to because I, I guess, you know what I'm saying, due to his age, but Larry Fitzgerald. You know, I think Larry Fitzgerald would be a really good, pit, a really good fit uh, for the New Orleans Saints. Yes, he is 38 years old. And yes, you know what I'm saying? I am looking at the fact that he's not the Larry Fitzgerald of old. But throughout the years, Larry Fitzgerald was able to line up in the slot and able to win that matchup versus that nickel corner. And we know for a fact that Larry Fitzgerald has short hands and he's still fundamentally sound. And it wasn't to a point where Larry Fitzgerald was just so God awful that teams, you know what I'm saying, just didn't want to like deal with him anymore. Larry Fitzgerald was still catching passes at a high rate. He was still running Chris routes. And I just feel like he would be beneficial to the New Orleans Saints, especially, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to like the short game, moving the chains. You know what I'm saying? On those third down plays, I just feel like he will be able to be a good fit. And as far as like him, his, him being, you know, injured throughout the years, I don't expect for him to, to play as many snaps as he did when he was with Arizona. I do think that durability is a factor, but I'm talking about a, a player that fits that mode of the New Orleans Saints. I, I feel like he will fit that mode that the Saints uh, really need right now because it's not just about, you know what I'm saying, speed, because the Saints have speed on the outside. Callaway can fly. Deontay Harris can fly. But, you know, I think it's about being fundamentally sound. It's about winning your matchups. So those are two guys that I see right now that I feel like would be a really good fit for the new orleans saints you know i'm not expecting larry fitzgerald to be all pro larry fitzgerald but larry fitzgerald can move the sticks and you know what i'm saying he's short-handed and i think that he can 
do some things to a point where you know T's going to have to accommodate for his ability in order for you know his ability to be able to run routes crisply and you know and also be able to catch the ball so that's what I feel like the Saints need to do and the reason why I'm not talking about going out here making no drastic changes to a point where we trying to get somebody like Devontae Adams or something like that is because Michael Thomas is coming back you know like you just need somebody to be able to hold hold down the fort until you know what I'm saying the cavalry comes <laughs> so to speak so that is what I'm looking at I think those are two guys out there right now that would be a really good fit for the New Orleans Saints. I really do. Um, as far as the offensive line is concerned, uh, that was a sorry, pathetic excuse of a of a game last, yesterday. Uh, the offensive line is much better than what they played. I just think that when you have a brand new center in Cesar Ruiz, guy really don't know how to <laughs> look at coverages and stuff like that and call them out. Uh, you know what I'm saying? When, like, when I look at, uh, you know, I look at a team like this and struggling on the offensive line, it just makes me think about how we take Drew Brees for granted. Like, some of us, you know what I'm saying, was talking about Drew Brees' arm strength, and that was the deal breaker for us. But we didn't really accommodate for how good Drew Brees is at calling out the blitzes, you know what I'm saying, putting the offensive line in positions to to protect telling, um, you know what I'm saying, who these guys to protect, you know what I'm saying, and telling who the Mike, who the Sam, who the Will is, letting his offensive line know. Those are the type of things that we take for granted as Saints fans. You know, like the little things, because like I said, all of that success, all of that winning kind of clouds our judgment, and it's to a point where we just feel like we're just, like we're just undefeated, unbreakable, unshakable, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, just go ahead and copy and paste and put whoever you want up in that thing. We're still going to find success. It's only a matter of time before the next man up moniker catches up with you. And you look at some of these guys that were out, man. Those are some key guys that the Saints had out. Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith, C.J. Garner-Johnson, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Eric McCoy, Quan Alexander. I mean, come on, man. The list goes on and on. Like, these guys... You know what I'm saying? Are so beneficial to this team's success. But I will say this I'd rather them be missing time this early in the season than for them to be missing time late. Uh, the Saints have an issue with the linebacking group. The Saints have an issue with the linebacking group right now. These guys cannot cover. They cannot. They cannot cover. Like Zach Bond was like in a whirlwind on yesterday. And you know, I think I want to give a shout out to Kevin, you know what I'm saying, on uh, New Orleans Dot Football along with Nick Underhill. I seen his tweet. He said, that's why you don't put so much stock into preseason. Because in that first game we seen Zach Bond versus the Baltimore Ravens, he was flying all over the field. And we were so excited and so happy. We felt like the light came on for him because he was making plays. And he did make a play on yesterday. You know, he returned uh, the block field goal, which was a good play. But at the same time, you know, I said this yesterday when Chosen called in. I said, man, you know, it's hard to put cologne on a musty body. You know what I'm saying? Just because you put cologne on a musty body don't mean that the body ain't musty. You know what I'm saying? You you can't disguise the smell of musk. I can still still smell it. You know what I'm saying? After I finish smelling that cologne, I'm still going to smell the stench that is coming from your body. Zach Bourne on yesterday was a liability. So much of a liability that the Saints put in Andrew Dowell. 
the linebacker that plays on special teams to take his place because that's how bad it got. The Saints, I, I, I just, you know, th- there are so many different issues with this team, but defensively, I feel like it can be addressed because in the second half, they improved. Okay, I mean, they they neutralized uh, Carolina. Carolina didn't score any points uh, in the third quarter, and they they played. You know, what I'm saying admirable. But the thing about it is, man, you got to play complimentary football if your team is going to win. If your team is going to win, you got to play complimentary football. Not having Alvin Kamara running the football, not having Tony Jones Jr. running the football, trying to put it into the hands of Jameis Winston is not going to cut it. Not at this stage. Not at this stage. The Saints are going to have to become a run-first offense in order for them to find success. Jameis Winston at this stage right now, I'm not saying that he can't eventually get to this point. The Saints cannot lean on Jameis Winston to bring them back in the game because Jameis Winston at this particular stage of his career, his second year with the New Orleans Saints, I feel like isn't able to do that right now. When you put a lot of pressure on Jameis Winston, he wants to play hero ball. He had like he just the way that he is. You know, it's, it's almost like with T.O. T.O. was on the sidelines. I don't know if y'all ever seen that, that famous uh, soundbite when he said, who can make a play? I can. I feel like it's the same way with Jameis. When he feels like his back against the wall, when the game is on the line and he feels like nothing is going right, he takes all of that pressure and puts it on himself and he tries to make something happen. And what you have are situations that happened on yesterday. And I just feel like he understood that the offensive line was having a bad day the running game was having a bad day. So he took it upon himself to try to lead the pack. And that's when the mistakes start to occur. They need to become a run first team in order for them to find levels of success. Because here's the thing. Their defense is going to have to play lights out in order for them to win some of these football games until people like Michael Thomas comes back. They cannot afford to be behind the eight ball. They just can't. Because if you bring pressure, on this team, they are in trouble as of right now. They are. You know what I'm saying? They are in trouble as of right now because now everybody sees all you have to do is go out there, jump on the Saints early. You know what I'm saying? Like impose your will on them, get yourself a lead, and hope, you know what I'm saying, wait for Jameis Winston to make mistakes. That is the recipe for success for any team that's watching the New Orleans Saints right now. A lot of things happened yesterday with the New Orleans Saints as far as you know, not having the right coaching staff, not having the coaching staff out there. You know what I'm saying? Missing guys. I, I read a report that Ian Book was was in charge of substitutions on yesterday. Rookie Ian Book was, you know what I'm saying, was calling out the substitutions, you know what I'm saying, for people to go in and out of the game. Coaches on the sidelines are important. Head coaches are important, don't get me wrong, but this is one of those things, once again, we take for granted. Assistant coaches. Guys that are not on the sidelines that are seeing certain things on the field in order to help some of these players be able to make these plays. A lot of us just say, oh, man, it's Sean Payton. Yes, it is. Sean Payton is the one that helps put this this, this, this group of coaches together. But it takes all of these guys collectively to bring out the best in his team. And I just think that the Saints were, you know, dealing with that, the loss of those coaches. It shows you how important some of the little things that we take for granted as fans are. Calling out coverages. 
uh, you know what I'm saying, offensive line blocking assignments, uh, wide receiver play, coaches on the sideline. This kind of stuff is extremely important. But I want to give a shout-out to the Carolina Panthers fans. I, I think that they played a huge role in this game, too. They were loud. Uh, they were making a lot of noise. They were making it very, very tough for the New Orleans Saints. And I don't know if the Saints practice on their silent count or not. I don't know what the heck was going on with that. But the Carolina Panthers fans out there at Bank of America Stadium showed up and showed out. And they should be proud of themselves as a fan base because they played a huge role uh, in this game as far as like making it very tough for the New Orleans Saints. But let me go ahead and uh, read some of the comments. Uh, first off, I want to thank the Saints O-line for the $2. says, someone call the cops. We gone missing. Yeah, they definitely wasn't available yesterday. You know what I'm saying? They went AWOL. But, it, man, look, the, the energy just wasn't there yesterday. Like, man, look, <laughs> you can fake with a lot of people, but you can't fake with me. Like, the energy was not there. There was no swag, no drip, no nothing out there on that field. There were some guys that were missing that I feel like brings a spark to this team. Quan Alexander is one. C.J. Gardner-Johnson is another. Marshawn Lattimore neutralizing and locking down uh, the primary receiver of a team. Those type of guys were missing, and I feel like that is kind of like the like, – I feel like the Mario Davis, Cam Jordan are, are the heart and soul of the defense, but you have guys out there that I feel like are the fire of the defense, and those guys were on the sidelines. And those are some guys that I feel like are so important to this team. But, you know, like I said, I'd rather they miss time right now than a miss time down the line when the Saints are really trying to get themselves into playoff positioning. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is, man. You know, the, the Saints, they just did not play a really good game yesterday. Uh, the Saints uh, didn't lose to a bunch of jabronis. It's the NFL. Yeah, I mean, the Carolina Panthers are a good football team. You know, I think that people, you know, underestimate those guys because, once again, we look at what happened last year and we just think that it's going to apply to this year. But that's just not how the NFL works. Guys get better every single year. Some of the guys that probably struggled in certain areas of their game become better. Younger players become uh, seasoned veterans. Uh, the game starts to get slower for them and they understand their assignments. and. They went out there and they did themselves a really good job. But I would like to see this game again when all hands on deck, you know, as far as the Saints. I don't I don't think it would be a 26 to 7 victory. I can tell you that right now. Uh, we just got to make it to the bye week so we can uh, reload and get our guys back. Hopefully we can get there at three and two. Yeah. I mean, look, you got the Patriots next week. And Gillette, that's going to be a tough game. I'm not going to lie to you. Gillette Stadium is a tough place to play. Then you got yourself with the football team and the Giants. I mean, those are both winnable games. But, you know what I'm saying, at the same time, I'm not looking past Washington because Washington always play the Saints tough. And you got to add the dynamic of Rod Rivera, Riverboat Ryan, you know what I'm saying, who is familiar with the Saints offense and their tendencies, familiar with Jameis Winston from, you know, him going up against, uh, you know, Tampa, you know, when uh, Jameis was the quarterback. So you got to add that in there. And also with the Giants, they're a prideful team, man. You know, they're not just a team that's just going to get off the bus and be like, oh, man, we about to lose to the Saints. They don't work like that. So they're going to have to play. You know what I'm saying? They're going to have to play. But it'll be good to know that they're going to come back to the Superdome. I feel like that game, they're going to be extremely uh, inspired. Like, I think the Saints are going to be inspired for those for those games. I can tell you that. Especially being back after everything that happened people being displaced, uh, you know what I'm saying, people 
losing their homes, you know what I'm saying, due to this storm. Uh, the Saints are going to find some level of motivation. But, look, this happens all the time. Like, around this time last year, I don't know if y'all remember this, but the Saints uh, got them got beat down uh, by the Raiders. You know, I don't know if y'all remember that or not, but the Saints lost to the Raiders, and we thought the sky was falling. But eventually they, they found themselves rallying back. The Saints always, for some apparent reason, start off a little bit slow uh, when it comes to, you know, the first couple games of the season, and then they start to click in jail. So I see some I see some things that with the New Orleans Saints, normally you'll see around week eight or week nine coming into week one and week two. So that's that's optimistic to me. So that that that's a good thing if you're a Saints fan. Let's see. Uh Stills and Kevin White need to play. Sorry, TJ, but Hogan, Jordan Humphreys, Jawan can't separate. Well, I'm not gonna look at it from Chris Hogan. I've seen some plays, Chris Hogan. Uh, was getting open you know there was one play in particular where Chris Hogan actually got separation and he probably would have caught the ball and kept running uh, but the ball was batted down uh, there was one play uh, you know what I'm saying in which uh, you know what I'm saying he was open and he, he got overthrown by James so I mean I when I was looking at Chris Hogan I, I was seeing some separation coming from Chris but when it comes to these other guys I'm not seeing it man I'm, I'm not seeing it uh, I'm not seeing any type of separation from these guys at all uh, I don't see guys winning matchups. Um, and I went back and I watched the game. You know what I'm saying? I, I went back and watched it this morning. I checked it out. I took a look at it. Um, I evaluated it. And I, I you know what I'm saying? I, I did a, a Shannon Sharp move. I, I looked at it with the sound down. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I looked, I looked at some of these plays and what led to them. You know, uh, even like that Jameis Winston interception. Like, I, I <laughs> the first one. You know what I'm saying? Like, the first one. I seen what he was trying to do, but it just didn't happen. Okay. I, I just think that what he was trying to do, <laughs> he rolled out of the pocket and he was trying to set his feet, but there was a defender that came off his blind side that he didn't see. You know what I'm saying? Out the like the corner of his eye. He didn't see him. So when he threw the ball, he flinched. You know what I'm saying? And when he flinched, the ball went up into the air. Now he would try if he would have parked his, if he would have planted his feet and threw the ball. He would, it would have got to Deontay Harris. It would have got to him. But he wasn't able to plant his feet because the defender came right there and he flinched. And because of that, he was like, oh, snap. You know what I'm saying? He fell. And that's why he threw the interception. Now, it wasn't – it was desperation, though. It, it was pure desperation. I seen what he was looking at, but it just wasn't a good look. There was one play on the offensive line which led to the interception. Cesar Ruiz and Andrews Pete blocked no one at all. Like, there, I, there's some footage out there right now if you're on Twitter. When the ball was snapped, these two guys went in two different directions, and neither one of those directions led to number 21 uh, getting any type of hands on him. I mean, this dude was running free, period, right to Jameis Winston, which set up that interception because of the pressure. So that offensive line, man, it it, it need – I won't say it needs some work, but – the communication in this game was god-awful. It was awful, man. It was absolutely awful. TJ Jones, we had Brandon Cook a couple years ago, but we cut him. Uh, we didn't cut him. We traded him. We traded him, which, which is the reason why, which is the reason why, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, I want people to understand why they did this. This is the reason why they, they cut Brandon Cook. Because the Saints understood that eventually they were going to have to pay him and Michael Thomas. They knew that they had to make a choice. One thing about Brandon Cook, Brandon Cooks was fast. 
But Brandon Cooks could not get that yet. He could not get yards after the catch. And I feel like if you're a New Orleans Saints uh, player and they understood what was going on with Drew Brees, you had to look at this. Drew Brees, in the twilight of his career, couldn't get the ball downfield that catered to the strength of Brandon Cooks. But you have a guy like Michael Thomas who can get separation and win those matchups with those quick slants, with those out routes. He can win these matchups. And it falls into the strength of what Drew Brees could do in the twilight of his career. So the Saints made a choice, and it was a good choice because Brandon Cooks ended up getting paid from the Rams, and Michael Thomas ended up getting paid for them. And I don't think anybody can sit up here and say, you know I mean, I know out of sight, out of mind, and when you're not playing, all of a sudden, like, we wasting money with you. But I don't think any logical New Orleans Saints fan would say that the Saints made a mistake drafting uh, drafting uh, Michael Thomas and trading Brandon Cooks. Because in the process, even trading Brandon Cooks, what did Brandon Cooks turn into? Wait, what did he turn into? Ryan Ramchick, if I'm not mistaken? So, come on, man. Like, seriously. that I mean, you, you, you look at this. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what did he turn into? He turned to Ryan Ramchick. I ain't got no problem with that. I'm sorry. I ain't got no problem with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Ryan Ramchick... Arguably one of the best right tackle, if not the best right tackle in football. Just got a, a contract extension. So I think the Saints won in it. But now you have yourself Jameis Winston who can get the ball down the field and be able to cater and play to the strengths of a Brandon Cooks. I feel like that would be, you know what I'm saying, a good move uh, for the New Orleans Saints. But I, I just think that the New Orleans Saints need to get Deontay Harris more involved in this in his offense I, I really do man the dude is just super dynamic every time he touches the ball something positive happened I, I just don't understand why they don't utilize him as much as as they should you know what i'm saying i don't know i i know they try to put him on the outside and they put little jordan humphreys in the slot but maybe y'all need to change that up maybe put uh deontay harris in the slot let that man eat the dude is a dynamic wide receiver and, and, and the ball is magic in this dude's hand. So I think that, that they need to try to find a way to get this dude involved. And, you know, I mean, Kenny Stills is most likely going to be taking Lil' Jordan Humphrey's place. You know what I'm saying? Lil' Jordan Humphrey probably going to be a part of the rotation. But, we, I mean, I like Lil' Jordan a lot, but Lil' Jordan is more of a decoy receiver than he is a pass-catching receiver. I don't, I don't really count on Lil' Jordan Humphrey's to make several plays per game. I, I expect for him, like, if, you know what I'm saying, somebody like, you know, him kind of tiptoe, you know what I'm saying, out there and somebody just forget he out there and they throw the ball to him and he get a first down or, you know what I'm saying, he'll get six or seven yards. That's just the type of receiver he is. I'm not saying that he's bad, but that's just the way it is. I don't I don't look for this guy to go out. Like, if Lil' John Humphreys goes over 100 yards, like, at any time in his career, would be a shock to me. Like, it, it would be like a show where, you know what I'm saying, I would have to take, you know what I'm saying, like, I would – really be taken back by his performance. I, I I can't see that. He's just, to me, he's not that type of receiver. You know? I mean, I'm not trying to talk about this dude, bad mouth him, but he's just not that guy. You know? And even like with uh, Callaway, Callaway is not a number one receiver. He, he's not. You know what I'm saying? He's a two or a three. You know what I'm saying? Like, he falls into that category. He will win his matchups if you have a number one receiver out there. I feel like he can do some damage if you have a number one receiver out there, like he, he can go out there and he can make some plays if your number one receiver is present, but putting him in that number one role 
getting that, you know, getting double covered and stuff like that, he's not going to win those matchups, man. He's just not. Not at this stage of his career. So, I, and I seen somebody, man, uh, I want to say after that Jaguars game when he had those two touchdowns, and somebody was like, you know, Michael Thomas, you know, need to watch out because we got you might have a number one. I'm like, man, knock it off. Knock it off. You're talking about prisoner of the moment. My goodness. Uh, Ruiz and Pete uh, do not need to be by each other. Yeah, that was that was pretty bad. Uh, but, to, you know, to, you know, as far as uh, Andrews Pete is concerned, man, Pete is Pete. Pete, Pete is going to Pete uh, every single game. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I don't want to be, a, I don't want to badmouth this guy, but he gives up an awful play every single game. He, to me, he's not the worst guard I've ever seen. He's solid. You never like, you know, mistake him for being good or great. He's solid. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a, he's a solid player. Do I feel like the Saints at the end of the of the year may need to go in a different direction? Yes, I do. Uh, yes, I do. Um, do I feel like Andrews P can get you, uh, you know what I'm saying, some solid snaps, you know what I'm saying, at that guard position? Yes. But he's going to give up a play where it just looks like he doesn't even belong in the NFL every single game. And, you know, the, th- the thing about it is, what really bothers me is, I mean, this dude is like, what is it, his sixth season, if I'm not mistaken? What, six? He's been in the league about six years. I think he came out around the same time uh, Jameis did. I mean, he's like in his sixth or seventh season, man. He was still having these same type of issues, man. Like, you should be one of the most solid players on the team. Like, you should be one of the best, you know what I'm saying, parts of the team. And like I say, some games he'll go out there and he'll be dominant. And then it got some games where he just looked like he don't even belong out there, man. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think the Saints may need to go in a different direction next season. I mean, I could be wrong, man, but I don't know. I think that you can get some better production, some better fire, some more swag, more drip, more confident offensive linemen than you you could in Andrews Pete. I, I really do. Uh, didn't the Giants release Benjamin for stealing cookies or chips? Uh, he's done. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know if somebody mentioned Calvin Benjamin, but man, you got to be crazy, man. Calvin Benjamin ate his way out of the league, Eddie Lacy style. Look, I'm not going to beat up on the dude or whatever like that. I don't know the situation. I don't know the stories. Uh, but 